and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this episode, I'm joined by David Wall, soil science researcher based at Chagas Johnstown Castle, to discuss fertiliser application for silage and grazing ground. I first ask David, how much nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium does a crop of silage require? So a tonne of dry matter, which is dry grass, uh, will require uh, in the region of 20 units of N per tonne, four units of P per tonne, and 20 units of K. So you can see there that both the N and the K are, are needed in, in equal quantities. So if we think about a first cut uh, crop of silage, then that's about five tonnes of dry grass. So for that five tonnes of dry grass, we're talking about 100 units of N in the region of 15 to 20 units of P and about 100 units of K. And good fertility is essential in silage fields. What are the key considerations the farmers need to be aware of? I suppose um, in, in terms of growing a silage crop, it's more of a, of a sprint rather than a marathon. So you need to have the power there in the soil to be able to grow that crop fast over a six to eight week period. If it goes beyond that and the power is not in the, in the soil in terms of soil fertility to grow that crop fast, you end up running into difficulties with quality such as the crop heading out, the need for letting it grow on to bulk up, etc. So what I would recommend there um, is to have uh, your silage field uh, closed on time, number one, uh, get the quantities of nutrients that we need out on time. So in terms of that five tonne crop, then we need the 100 units of N um, depending on the, on the situation. Uh, we need uh, enough P, uh, phosphorus there, um, somewhere in the regions of 15, 16 units and about 90 units of K at closing time. Um, especially we need to, to look after the K if there's a, an issue with tetany on the farm. And slurry is a good source of K. What rate of slurry would you apply to silage ground? In terms of slurry, so um, a, a thousand gallons of slurry, a thousand gallons of good uh, quality cattle slurry, um, about 6%, most beef farms would have this, this kind of thick uh, cattle slurry, um, will deliver in the region of six units of, of N, five units of P, and about 30 units of K. So you can see there the ratio of the P and the K in slurry is similar to the ratio of the P and K offtake in the grass. So slurry is a perfect fertilizer uh, to go back onto silage ground. In terms of meeting the requirements for the crop then, about 3,000 gallons should meet all the requirements of a first cut silage crop at closing time. Now, uh, there is a caveat there, it won't meet the full offtake requirements uh, in terms of K in the long run. So after the silage is cut, a K top-up needs to be thought about there in terms of either the bag fertilizer or uh, going back with more slurry. And in that rate, how much of a top-up of K would be required? Um, anybody that's, 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 that's thinking about going back and is observing their soil tests um, may want to go back with something with a strong K, so a 10-10-20 type product if you are low in both P and K, or uh, there is options there to go with straight K um, if, if it's available to you in your local merchants. So a bag of muriate of potash might be a, an option on some farms. 
if you're going back with the slurry tanker, somewhere in the region of 1,500 gallons uh, might be good if it's going back into grazing um, ground. Obviously, if you're taking a second cut of silage, you will have to uh, put on more slurry to meet the, the, the second cut requirements. And are there benefits to using different methods of applying slurry? Uh, certainly. So um, there's a lot of research has been done in terms of the low emission slurry spreading, so the less LESS. Um, these are either the trail and shoe or the trail and hose, or, or some people call it the band spreader, where you have the, the pipes trailing along out the back. They are going to keep more of the nitrogen uh, in the slurry um, on the ground and available to the crop. So if we think about a normal uh, splash plate type operation, um, a thousand gallons of, of, of cattle slurry coming from delivered by that splash plate is going to deliver six units of in. If we go to a trail and shoe or a trail and hose, that's going to increase the in content availability uh, by about three or maybe even four units. So now instead of a six, five, 30 uh, NPK slurry, you have a nine or 10, five, 30 um, uh, uh, slurry. So you're getting uh, roughly about a third more nitrogen from using the low emission slurry spreading. There's also benefits there in terms of less contamination of the grass if you're going into heavier swards. And also, evenness of spread is a lot better. Plus, uh, obviously, we're, we're all concerned about the neighbours, especially at the moment. And, um, it's going to keep odours down, etc., and less annoyance in, in your local community. That's great, David. If there is no slurry available on the farm, what fertiliser programme would you recommend for silage ground? Okay, where there's no slurry uh, available, we need to be thinking about a strong P and K compound to deliver that, uh, those essential nutrients to drive on that silage crop so that we can cut it on time and maintain quality. So there's a number of products out there uh, that are, are quite suitable. Remember, as I said, the PK ratio um, in terms of the grass offtake is quite wide. So it's for every, for every one phosphorus that's taken up by the grass, there's about six units of, of potash. So we need to be looking at a product like uh, traditionally 0730 would have been used and then you top up with nitrogen. So if you were using an 0730 type product, um, up to three bags of 0730 should meet your silage requirements. Uh, many people are trying to use it with, with uh, a 13620 type product. It's probably more available in the tillage areas, but it is a, a widely used fertilizer and your merchant should be able to stop it. About four bags of 3620, uh, it also delivers sulfur, is a good product. Um, traditionally, people have been trying to use 18612 type uh, fertilizers to, to meet um, the fertilizer requirements for silage, but we have to remember that the ratio of P and K in, in 18616 to 12 is too narrow, one is to two. So we need to be, be getting something with a, a wider ratio there to meet the K requirements of the crop. In terms of nitrogen top-ups, uh, there's a number of fertilizers available. Um, for any of, of the, the listeners that are, are not, uh, or haven't used protected urea to date, uh, that's a very good um, um, method of delivering nitrogen for silage ground. Um, Two bags of protected urea uh, will deliver all your, your silage needs uh, in terms of N and also protected urea products with sulfur in them, uh, which will meet both your nitrogen and your sulfur needs there. There's a 38 
unit of N, a five unit of S uh, protected urea product available on the market. You mentioned sulphur, David. Why should farmers be applying sulphur to silage ground? In terms of sulphur, uh, research has shown that a lot of silage fields around the country uh, become deficient in sulphur. This is especially true where uh, there's a, a field used for silage year in, year out. Uh, so maybe it's an outblock or maybe it's a field that, that's, that's larger that, that lends itself um, to producing the silage. Um, those fields, because of the constant offtake of that grass every year, uh, the sulfur levels in the organic matter have been drawn down. So those fields uh, really need sulfur uh, in their fertilizer mix for uh, silage at closing time. So what we'd recommend there is somewhere in the region of 10 uh, to 12 units of sulfur going out with the nitrogen um, at silage closing time. It has been difficult to graze silage ground this year and in cases where it hasn't been grazed, what fertilizer would you recommend? Okay, where, where there's a good cover of, of grass, um, so the silage ground hasn't been grazed, we could um, hold back a little bit in terms of the nitrogen. Um, the P and K requirement, I would stick with that. I'd, I'd still stick with, with trying to get out 15 units of P and about 90 units um, uh, or, or, or there or thereabouts of K um, on the silage ground. But in, there could be a consideration there where there's a good sward. It's actively growing now that the water has warmed up in the last week. Um, we could uh, throttle back a little bit in terms of the nitrogen and maybe somewhere in the region of 80 units of nitrogen, especially if the grass was going to be harvested on time. And when I say on time, I suppose the last week of, of May and no later than the first week of June. And when would you expect the nitrogen to be used up by the crop? Okay, as a rule of thumb, in terms of nitrogen use by a silage crop, we can say that the nitrogen is used roughly at a rate of two units per day. So if 100 units goes out, uh, you want to leave that silage ground there for about 50 days to let the nitrogen grow out. If you were in the second scenario there where, where you're using less nitrogen because the silage ground hasn't been grazed, um, we're putting out about 80 units in that situation and you're talking about letting it grow out over a 40-day period. That's quite short now. Uh, most farmers will at least have their silage um, in, in, grown or, or closed for six weeks. So there should be no issue there. And is there a benefit to splitting applications of fertilizer on silage ground? I would say in terms of splitting nitrogen, uh, where slurry has gone out, I would say yes, uh, hold off for uh, ab about uh, a week to 10 days and come back uh, with, your, with your, your, your bagged nitrogen as a top up in that situation. In terms of um, different ground and different weather conditions uh, across the country, um, uh, in the West where, where soils might be only drying out and, and, and warming up at the moment, it might be worth going with, with um, uh, half to two thirds of your nitrogen uh, up front and then coming back 10 days later uh, with uh, the, the final third uh, just to give uh, the ground conditions and everything else a chance um, and let the nitrogen assimilate over time. However, in good growing conditions, in dry soils, um, 
you could afford to, to, to go ahead and put out all your nitrogen now that we're into April. That's great, David. In relation to the grazing ground, fertiliser rates will obviously differ depending on stocking rates. Some farmers may have slurry or urea out at the moment. What fertiliser would you recommend on grazing ground now throughout the main grazing season? In relation to grazing ground, it's important to feed this now too. Uh, now that the soils in most cases have, have, are beginning to dry up uh, and to warm up. So we're going to hit uh, rapid grass growth within the next week or two. And it's important to have both enough nitrogen out there, but also to have P and K in the mix. Where on ground that has received slurry to date, obviously it's also received uh, P and K in that slurry. So that should be fine. And we could think about going with a straight end product, something like a protected urea or can, um, or even can plus sulfur. For ground that hasn't uh, received P and K, so ground that has received uh, urea to date, then we need to be thinking about a strong compound. So uh, in consultation with the uh, farm fertilizer plan and the allowances under nitrates, um, we could be considering something in the region of a bag and a half of 18612 or another such product which delivers a nice little bit of P and K. P and K is really important at this point to drive that grass growth as the soil is only warming up, so the supply of phosphorus in particular might not be good uh, on, on, on much of the ground, and it's important to give the soil a little bit of help and hand at this point. So a good strong compound might be, be, be worth considering at this point. And is there a need for applying sulfur on grazing ground? I would be thinking um, from, from, from now on, um, you're probably in the, in the part of the season where sulfur is needed the most. So if you were going with an 18612 type product, there's 18612 plus sulfur out there, or consider uh, in, the, in the following round, putting out a protected urea plus sulfur or a can plus sulfur type product, depending on the situation. In relation to some of the paddocks that won't have been grazed and they'll end up being taken out as first cut silage or surplus bales, what should farmers be aware of in this scenario, David? Okay, where, where paddocks have been cut for, for, for surplus bales, um, remembering what, what we talked about in terms of the offtake, um, in terms of P and K in that grass. Uh, so if, if, if we, we run a scenario where there's roughly uh, 1,500 to 2,000 kilos of dry matter, um, so two tons of dry matter of a cover on a paddock, and you take it out for surplus bales, so it's a light silage cut, um, you're taking out in the region of uh, 8 to 10 units of P, and uh, in the region of uh, 40 to 50 units of K. So quite a lot of potash is coming off those paddocks. So that needs to be put back either with the slurry tanker, if there's slurry remaining on the farm, it would be a great time to get it out there to drive that fresh after grass, or consider uh, putting out a, a, a compound. Something like an 18612 might do the, 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 the job, depending on the, the P and K allowances. Um, but you might want something a little bit stronger in terms of K, um, as a lot of K has been taken off in those surplus bales. That's great, David. Some key advice there for farmers. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. Thank you. That's all for this episode, and my thanks to David Wall for joining me on the show. 
You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.